everyone. I'm Debbie from Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where we talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Today's first topic is section price rises across the country, which are defying the housing market downturn. Part of the reason for the increase in demand for sections can be attributed to the increase of vacant land, which is now zoned for multiple properties. The head of research at CoreLogic, Nick Goodall, said that vacant land in Auckland sold for roughly $1,591 per square metre in the first three months of this year. That's up 23% on the same time last year and 58% compared to 2020. Auckland particularly shares a huge increase reflecting that lack of land supply versus demand. House and land packages don't seem to be as attractive anymore um, because of softening residential property market, rising building costs and land costs as well. But I actually think that there's a good window of opportunity there for some first home buyers. So, you know, don't rule out the option of looking at house and land packages. And certainly getting finance for house and land packages is easier than buying turnkey deals where you pay a a small deposit and then settle the balance on completion. The cost of building consent has increased, particularly in some areas such as Tauranga, for example. A building consent there for a standard three-bedroom home costs between $38,000 and $48,000. That's an increase of about 18 grand over the past eight months. And there's another four grand increase scheduled for mid year. That's a significant increase in the cost of, of development. That's certainly going to have an impact on house prices and potentially demand in that area as well. There's still good traction in some areas that have got low quality stock or low availability of land. Low availability of land, obviously, that can cause house prices to increase. When there's low quality stock, you've got to ask yourself whether it's a good idea to be purchasing there. Wellington section prices were up 61%, up to $682 per square metre compared to 2020. And in Otago, the $552 per square metre, that's up 4% and 38% increase in the last two years. Canterbury remained one of the more affordable regions for bare land, Um, Their median square metre price in the three months to March was $423, which is an increase of 24% compared to last year. Interest rates being low and credits relatively easily available, we certainly saw some strong demand for land and property, leading to these significant upswings in values. And that was a quote from Nick Goodall, not word for word, obviously, but that he had the same sentiment there. and, And I completely agree with what he said. The market is likely to continue to slow down this year, especially with regards to new builds, because banks tend to get a little bit risk averse when it comes to this stage in the property market when it comes to lending for developments. One of the things that I would highly recommend that you do is get your finance sorted sooner rather than later and preferably look for finance to last past the date of completion or get one of those house and land build packages from your finance institute. So talk to an independent mortgage advisor and they can help you out in that area. Uh, CoreLogic last year completed an analysis of the median price per square metre paid for vacant sections in the territorial authorities of the six main centres 
So they compared 2011, 2016 and 2021 and it found section prices had gone up everywhere over the last 10 years, which to be fair, it's not surprising. We've seen significant increases across the board in the last 10 years. The Real Estate Institute in New Zealand Chief Executive Jen Baird said that the availability and demand for lands has affected the value of sections. Section prices nearly doubled in Auckland from an average price of $791,000 to $1.5 million in February. I mean, you know, that's just for the price of the section. So, you know, it's it's little wonder that a lot of developers have slowed down in the Auckland property market. They're just not prepared to take that risk when the when there's less buyers in the market at the moment. This sort of flows into topic number two, which is based on an article that was um, published in Stuff. So new laws needed to protect off the plan buyers as the tricks increase, a lawyer says. So Mac and Co firm lawyer Jan McNamara, she was quoted as saying that she wanted more standard protections brought into law to stop inexperienced buyers from abuse. And I think that a number of her points were really valid. So I'll talk about the things that she proposed and then I'll discuss some other things that you can do to protect yourself if the law doesn't change, okay? So what Jan was talking about is that the number of tricks that developers are using to get out of contractual obligations or demand higher prices, she's seeing that increasing. And pitfalls for new buyers are becoming more numerous. So some of the things that she's proposed is that sunset clauses should be only available to the buyer or sunset clauses only available to the buyer to stop developers from demanding higher prices come settlement time. She's also proposing an end to developers citing the pandemic as an act of God to cancel contracts, ring fencing of deposits to stop investors from using them before the property settled. I'm assuming that she means the developers because obviously if the developer's spending the deposit, then if the developer goes broke, that leaves the potential buyer high and dry. Contracts should come with a fixed price to avoid buyers being stung by late price increases. I think potentially there's pros and cons with that because obviously developers are incurring high inflation with the cost of building products and depending on the time frame to completion that can be quite significant. We saw a massive increase in the inflation in building supply products last year. Was it off the top of my head? I think it was about a 17% increase over the last um, 12 months. Let me just double check. I think I've written that down in a note somewhere. One moment, please, callers. Oh, 14% increase in the construction costs over the last year. So, yeah, that's still significant. So it is difficult for developers to actually have a fixed price unless they've already factored in a, a margin for error. So, yeah, it is something to look out for. Vendor feasibility conditions, this is something else that she's recommended, which can be used by developers to cancel contracts without providing any evidence. They should be satisfied within three to six months of signing the agreement so that purchases aren't left without any certainty for long periods of time. Requirements that plan be detailed, including specifics on the size, quality and type of chattels and kitchen and bathroom fit-out plans. I think that's really um, that's really reasonable, you know, because what what we've certainly seen is that there have been situations where people have signed up 
for a particular development and then come settlement they discover that instead of a three-bedroom townhouse they've got a two-bedroom townhouse. So one of the other suggestions that she had was that if a property is smaller than was represented in the sale and purchase agreement the buyer should receive either price reductions or the ability to cancel. So I think it's probably more likely that the developer would, would be more comfortable with the ability for the purchaser to cancel that contract based on a change in what was agreed rather than a price reduction because oftentimes and I don't mean to sound like I'm defending the developers here I'm just you know playing devil's advocate so oftentimes what we're finding is that developers because of the high inflation and prices in order to not increase the sale price they're reducing the build in one way or another either the quality of the fit out or um, the actual size of the property just to keep in the same price point. But obviously that's not necessarily what the purchaser is going to want. She's also recommended that pre-settlement inspections should be made mandatory so that purchasers could get evaluation if they need to by the bank and provide vendors with a list of defects to be remedied. She wants a ban on developers putting conditions into body corp or resident society rules that owners have to use certain providers for tenancy management or electricity. I think that actually makes a lot of sense or it certainly makes a lot of sense to me because oftentimes uh, if the developers have put conditions like that, it's because they're getting kickbacks from those particular property management companies. I don't, I haven't heard about kickbacks from electricity suppliers, but you know anything could happen. Um, I think that it's also there's certainly some developers who have their own property management um, companies, and so imposing rules that you have to use there tenancy management, their rental management companies. I think that's a little bit on the nose. It's double dipping at best. They should give the consumer the choice. All right. The Minister of Commerce and Consumer Affairs, David Clark, said that many of, of McNamara's proposals were already covered by general consumer protections through the Fair Trading Act, including a prohibition on unfair contract terms and standard consumer contracts. The problem is that your average New Zealander doesn't know about their rights under that Fair Trading Act. Having it uh, made legislation would simplify things a little bit. I think the most important thing that any potential purchaser should consider is that before you buy or before you sign a contract for a new build, make sure you get your solicitor to double check that contract because the developers have their own lawyers that write the contracts and they absolutely write them in favour of the developer. So don't just blindly accept the contract that's put in front of you. Get your own solicitor to have a look at it before you sign on the dotted line because the solicitors especially over the last few years where we've had high rates of development solicitors are well informed when it comes to different clauses that developers can use to try and sneak out of deals or increase their profit margin all that sort of stuff so make sure you get a solicitor to double check I think one of the other big things that you should look out for is to just make sure that you do your homework on the actual developer yourself. You know, so do some research. Google is a wonderful thing. Check things out just to make sure that it's not someone who's on the brink or someone who's previously gone bankrupt, for example. So, you know, you don't want to get stuck losing your deposit or even potentially worst case scenario, having your deposit tied up for years on end when you, you've got no control over the completion date. 
So if you're interested in some of the things that we've been talking about, feel free to join us for one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events that we hold online and also in person in Auckland. I host them myself, so you know, you and they're live, so you've got the opportunity to ask lots of questions. Uh, I just can't answer individual financial questions in those sessions, but I try to cover off as many of the fundamentals as possible. So if you want to check out the upcoming dates and register for one of our upcoming events, Go to propertyapprentice.co.nz and you'll see several links there for you to click on. All right, so topic number three is monetary tightening brought forward. And this was an article that was published in the Herald. Um, The Reserve Bank lifted the OCR by 50 basis points to 1.5% on Wednesday. And so that was a surprise to some people, but it was, to be fair, it was always going to, it was a 50-50 call as to whether they were going to increase it by 0.25 or 0.5. My opinion is that they increased it by 50 basis points so that there was less of a chance that they'd have to do the next increase by another 50 basis points. You know, so fingers crossed. If the economy steps back into line and inflation steps back into line, um, the next OCR announcement might only be a a 0.25 increase. Okay, so now it's sitting at 1.5%, the OCR is, and the Reserve Bank agreed that moving the OCR to a more neutral stance sooner would reduce the risk of rising inflation expectations. So you've got to remember that the Reserve Bank does its OCR announcements based on controlling inflation. That's its primary um, purpose there, to control inflation. So whether it's increasing the OCR to help curb inflation or whether it decreases the OCR in order to boost the economy. So um, the Reserve Bank also mentioned the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which significantly added to supply disruptions, which have also caused prices to spike in internationally traded commodities and energy. The Reserve Bank believes that the risk for persistent high inflation has increased, and that's why they've taken that path of least regret through doing a a 0.5 increase to the OCR. Calvin Davidson from CoreLogic, he was quoted as saying that the Reserve Bank opted for the shock factor of a 50 basis point increase and said that short-term fixed interest rates could reach above 6% as a result. Interest rates can do anything, to be fair, and no one's got a crystal ball to predict what's going to happen. But we certainly have seen that most of the economists in New Zealand have got their own predictions about what's going to happen with the OCR. Most of the economists seem to be predicting that the OCR will peak is somewhere around three to three and a half percent by 2024, and um, that could certainly show interest rates around that six to six and a half percent. Okay, um, so it does affect the housing market. Rising interest rates are an influencer in the property market because it does affect affordability. We saw a lot of banks actually increase their interest rates before the OCR announcement because they were expecting it to happen. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how many more banks increase their rates or if the same banks that have already increased their rates increase it further. There's lots of special fixed rate mortgages in the popular one to two year terms. They're currently in the range of between four and five percent. It's certainly got potential to increase above that over the next few months. We're still certainly expecting the next OCR announcement to be another increase, hopefully a 0.25 instead of a 0.5 this next time round. 
But it's important to remember that at the moment, interest rates are still below their long-term average. If we look at the average one-year rate over the last 20 years, it was closer to 6.5% than 6%. So, yeah, not to be not to be sneezed at, but certainly not totally unexpected either. Topic number four, cashed up investors increase their market share as fewer homes go to first home buyers. Now, this is something that I think is actually really unfortunate. And it happens every single time we have a downturn in the property market. First home buyers tend to sit back. Um, you know, they step back from the market instead of stepping forward when there's less competition from other buyers. We're certainly hearing at Property Apprentice, we're hearing lots of people talk about if house prices are going to drop in value, should they wait for house prices to fall before they purchase? I'll tell you my opinion on that um, shortly. But according to CoreLogic, the proportion of homes being bought by first home buyers has hit its lowest point since July 2017. So only 21% of sales in March went to the first home buyer group. And um, we're also seeing cash rich investors buying more. So those who require lending are buying less. Okay, so that is actually quite common for this stage in the market because experienced investors, they often prefer a buyer's market, which we're in at the moment, you know, less competition from other buyers, all that sort of thing. It's a lot easier to find a good deal in a slower property market. And I think that's the opportunity that first home buyers are missing out on. If you're in a situation looking to purchase your first home and you can get lending, you should absolutely be out there and negotiate hard. I'm not saying complete low balls because we're not expecting vendors to completely um drop their asking price but there is a slower property market there are less people looking at purchasing so you know you do have the ability to negotiate a little bit harder take your time with negotiations make sure you're getting a deal that's really good for you there will always be people that need to sell for one reason or another or motivated to sell so yeah just keep your eyes open Um, don't step back I worked out that if we had a 10% drop in the property values, but a 1% increase in the mortgage payments, the interest rates, then you're going to be paying about the same price for that. So, you know, don't wait. At the moment, don't wait for something that might not happen when there's definitely a chance of interest rates increasing. So what I'm saying is don't wait for house prices to fall because that might not actually happen. But we're pretty confident that interest rates are going to continue to increase for some time. So if you're active in the market now and you get a property under contract, you've locked in today's purchase price, you've locked in today's interest rates. So take advantage of that. Just make sure that you're buying the right sort of property for your individual situation. Uh, We are expecting that the triple CFA, so that's the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, we are expecting that to relax a little bit. The lenders have been told that it'll be around June when they start getting some data back from the government about how that's going to look. This window of opportunity where there's less buyers in the market, it might be relatively short-lived. I just don't want people to get out there and hoping for prices to drop and then Come June, they discover that there's more buyers back in the market again. 
because who knows, like I said, haven't got a crystal ball that works. It's just a bit of experience in the property market, educated guesses, all that sort of stuff. All right, there's a number of different things that are going on that are affecting prices. So lots of moving parts at the moment, plenty to talk about. And one expert has said that the housing market is unlikely to crash despite the largest quarterly drop in over a decade. So this was an article that was published in News Hub. And what that was saying was um, GV, General Manager David Nagel, he was the one that was saying that strict credit rules and increasing interest rates meant that first-home buyers might still miss out. Um, but, yeah, there's lots of other things that article was talking about. Lots of them I've, I've covered off already in the commentary on the previous articles. But the average home decreased in value by 0.6% nationally. To put it into a bit of perspective, that's not massive, is it? So, And the other thing to remember is that that's talking about averages. So it's always um, important to understand whether you're looking at averages or whether you're looking at medians or whether you're looking at the house price index. So medians and averages can be quite easily swayed and easily affected just by the types of properties that are selling. So for example, if last month, if it's large value properties that sell the most in a particular area, and then the following month, it's small properties that are at the cheaper price point, then medians and averages tend to get dragged down. But just be careful when you're looking at figures where they're talking about average values dropping, because there's no such thing as an average property that drops by that amount of money. What you need to be looking at is what the particular property that you're interested in how that compares to other properties that have sold recently in that area. So you need to do some research around market values. Don't just don't just look at the headlines and make a decision based on that. We are unlikely to have some serious price drops. The reason for that is that we're not seeing thousands of mortgagee sales. This situation is quite different from what we saw in the global financial crisis. We're not seeing large numbers of mortgagees. We're seeing some businesses go into liquidation but it's it's not completely across the board I'm sure a lot of you are aware of the fact that although some businesses have suffered significantly during COVID there's other businesses that have absolutely thrived and that's quite a different situation from what occurred during the global financial crisis we can talk about the percentages that prices have dropped in different regions, like Auckland home values have dipped by 1.5%. Meh, you know, that's not massive. I mean, that takes us back to, what, just a couple of months ago. <laughs> it's not, you know, when you look at the grand picture, it's not anything to lose too much sleep over or to get too excited about if you're sitting there waiting for prices to drop. In Wellington, across the entire region, they dropped by 1.5% on average, again, average, but values were up by 13% over the last 12 months. So keep the whole thing in perspective. Try not to time the market when you're making purchasing decisions. Just make sure that you're buying a particular property at a good price that's appropriate for your financial position and for what you're trying to achieve over the long term. It's much more important to get the fundamentals right than it is to get the timing right. The only time you need to worry about getting the timing right is if you're buying something with the intention of selling it sooner rather than later.
that's when timing becomes a bit important. All right, so the number of days to sell certainly on the increase. We're getting more stock coming onto the market and that does create opportunities. Okay, local QV property consultant, Olivia Brownie from Canterbury, she made a comment that said that things have certainly cooled off in her area, especially at the lower value end of the market, with the city's more expensive home value still showing strength. And it's one of the things that we often see is that the lower value end of the market slows down faster than the rest of the market. And then when house prices start to come back again, it tends to increase in that lower value market sooner than the rest of the market as well. So this is perfect opportunities, in my opinion, for first-time buyers. And I haven't got any properties to sell. Just, Just giving you some information. So feel free to um, jump on to one of our free training sessions. Like I said, you can book for one of those. Go to propertyapprentice.co.nz. Check out our, our, our other podcasts as well. I've done lots of podcasts recently. Google Property Apprentice and you'll find out a bit more about us. Um, go to our, our YouTube and you'll see lots of other videos that we've posted up there as well. So lots of information for you to wrap your brain around and hope you enjoyed today's weekly wrap-up or the week in review. All right, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon.